0: Hello and welcome to the Friday Show, the show that thinks after watching us batter the mighty Austria 1-0, football is definitely coming home. I'm Joe covering this week and joining me today to discuss England's upcoming Euro hopes and Gareth Southgate's squad selection, I have Howard
1: and Lloyd. Howard, how's it going? Doing fine, thank you. Yeah, not bad at all. Though I am missing Andorra against Ireland for this, so better be a good podcast. These are
0: these are the sacrifices that you have to make for uh, for, for podcasting, Howard. And shameful as it
1: is. Uh, and winning 1-0. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: oh, God. That's even a, a, a true giant killing we're missing here.
1: Yeah. Well, not really. No, not on recent form. Probably not, no. So.
0: No. Uh, Lloyd, how about you? How's it going?
2: Hi, mate. Um, yeah. All good, thanks. Um, I was actually saying with with san and the lads in, in Porto, like, it will actually be quite nice just to, you know... Watch some different football because, whilst obviously as we'll discuss, I want England to do well. It's a kind of mm. it's a different um, it's like a different commitment, I think, and a different level of interest.
0: Yeah, me and um, me and Howard were just saying the same thing um, before we started recording of how it's, it's it's nice to have a bit of football that we feel a bit a bit distant from to uh, to to focus on like watch some different players rather than the same the same teams playing relentlessly week after week. I think um, it's. Because obviously we, we all we all want England to win. I think if England win the Euros, we'll all we'll all absolutely love life for the yeah. for the couple of weeks that come afterwards. But I think equally, if they you know if they go out, I mean I'm, I I personally will probably be over it within certainly within the next twenty four hours. Um, uh, so yeah,
1: I, I would say it's. I was gonna say it's probably on the level of City going out of like the Carabao Cup, but I've no idea how that feels. So <laughs> we all love the Carabao. <laughs> Yeah, whatever that used to feel <laughs> like. Whatever that used to feel like. But yeah, obviously I support England. But if yeah, if they go out, it's not gonna. It just doesn't compare, does it? Really? To uh, it's so always no, always been all. club over country. So football wise, mm. so.
0: yeah. Um, so we'll start with a bit of a sort of a bit of a broad question, really, Lloyd. I'll, I'll come to you first. Um, what do you think of what do you think of Southgate? Obviously, there was you know that World Cup in 2018 that was uh, honestly one of my favourite summers watching football that I can that I can remember. Um, but what do you sort of think of how, he's, how his time at England has been since then?
2: Yeah, Southgate's, Southgate's an interesting... I think he's an interesting coach and an interesting guy. Um, I've got kind of relatively split opinions on him. I think for the first couple of years, particularly of his reign he was exactly what England needed I think almost in response to Allardyce before we even talk about someone as a coach and what they can do on the pitch I think he's the perfect tonic to kind of a bit of a you know old outdated jobs for the boys like don't speak very well in press conferences like not what particularly I think this modern society and what we are as as England at the moment needs, as someone who's a bit of a statesman. So I think that the way Southgate kind of holds himself and particularly does interviews and communicates with the press and by proxy the fans, I think is really impressive. I think that's been consistent throughout his time um, as the manager. And I think that was really needed, actually, in response to what came before him. I think on the pitch, like I said before, I think the first two years, first three years, exactly what we needed to kind of, Evolved the style of play a little bit from uh, what we had under Hodgson I think has continued actually Hodgson's good work in terms of involving lots of youth players and that obviously he's massively helped by the fact that England are approaching in the next couple of years having probably a generation to line to kind of rival France's but I do think in recent years the last kind of couple there have definitely been definitely been points where it's been, you know, it's been frustrating and I think that his coaching has left a little bit to be desired and there have been some strange calls as well um, in relation to players. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of mixed. I'm kind of mixed.
0: Yeah, Howard, sort of to, to bring this to you as well, Do you, uh, I think his, uh, like Lloyd mentions there, there's been some sort of strange off-field decisions in terms of players. Um, I think the Foden and Greenwood situation comes to mind where they were basically both sent home immediately, which did nothing but bring more attention to the entire thing, whereas maybe a smarter thing to do might have been to try and keep it as in-house as possible and to try and make it as 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 not public as it could possibly be. But I think the big thing about it, that, that's, that kind of, kind of feels like a departure from what it was like in the World Cup, where it felt like the team was really together during that tournament. And it felt like a lot of, one of the main things that everyone said that he got right was his man management and his sort of squad management and making everyone feel really together, keeping fans quite close to, to the squad throughout. Um, do you, do you think that's, do you think that's kind of been let slip since the World Cup and do and, and, Obviously on the pitch itself, what have you made of his sort of tactical choices
1: since that tournament? <laughs> yeah, I, I pretty much agree with what Lloyd said. I think, yeah, off the pitch he's generally been very good. I don't have a problem with what he did with Foden Greenwood. They had to be taught a lesson. But then his high moral you know, the high horse he's on with his you know with his rules is somewhat undermined when at the same time his captain is being arrested in Greece, or wherever it is, and doesn't have the same treatment, and he's found guilty, which is now appealed for, uh, appealed against. So, you know, it's like, well, if you're captain, you, you're you not going, yeah, you know, or if you're a young player, you're not going to be, you're not being treated the same way, really, are you? I think generally, he has been good. I think the mood in the last tournament, I think he has been very good at that, and he is diplomatic. Mm. I think he is essentially the holistic, you know, he's the Pellegrini, and see after the man Genie in a way. Yeah. And I think he's been a nice segue manager in that respect. I don't know if I can have a go in for this, but what what I want from this England team that's won nothing in any of our lifetimes, not even mine, (laughs) before you two have a go, (laughs) is that I just want, because they are top heavy in a way, I'd like them to have a go, just have a go. And, And... I know sensible people say you don't win tournaments like that. So, and if I was manager, it's easy to say, for me to sit here and say, just go for it, England, just go for it, be attacking. But I do find them, I'm not using the Austria game as evidence because this is just a nothing game and I don't know what we could expect from such a game. But I do, my fear is when we get, you know, sit down, and do watch England join this tournament, that it's the same cautious approach and it's that overwhelming desire not to lose, which can take you a long way in a cup competition. But I just think he that likes needs to let the shackles off. If I think his main weakness for me is that in game I don't think he's very clever. Uh I think the Croatia game showed that. Mm. When when an opposition manager turns things around and gets on top, I don't I'm not sure Southgate's really got enough to to make tiny little changes and yeah, I don't think it's at the top of the game really for making tweaks that turn games as they're playing out. But as always, the question is, what can you expect from an international manager? I mean, the world's best managers generally don't manage international sides unless you've got a top manager who wants, wants a break from club management. So mm. I don't know if there's really any better options. Uh, I, I like the guy. I think he's been, you know, it was a breath of fresh air at, the f- at first, but I honestly cannot be confident that he will get the most out of this squad. Just one, just one, last thing I just wanted to mention actually,
2: because I feel like there will be some Southgate bashing on this podcast. Um, <laughs> is I think the other thing that he really deserves credit for, which Howard t- alluded to before, is he's built a really good environment clearly amongst the players, um, which was evident in the World Cup. I think that is one of the things that has held England back so much, particularly during the golden generation. You know, you only have to hear the interviews of Ferdinand and Gerrard and Lampard and Neville all saying, you know, we turn up to England camp. The United lads would be there. The Liverpool lads would be on the other side. You know, everyone was so disparate, They didn't get on. There was no mixing. And it really actually held them back. Um, And so I think he does deserve credit for that because ultimately... Some of that's down to the players, Um, and I think the players probably might know each other a little bit better in this one era because of things like social media, but equally as a leader, someone that sets the kind of culture,
1: um, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. Mm, I agree. As long as Ryan Sterling doesn't pick a fight in the canteen, uh, (laughs) it it should be fine, so...
0: Yeah, I think I think you're right there. That's that the, the World Cup is a is a big example of what he got right, especially con- like compared to previous tournaments. It felt like even going into it, it felt like because they were quite they were quite open with the media throughout, weren't they? They were quite sort of welcoming of like these little interviews and stuff, and like there were bits of like you know there were YouTube bits and like various other social media bits going on throughout that sort of helped. Helped fans to really engage with the the squad as they were going through, so that in itself led to sort of less of that that poisonous tabloid crap that usually goes on during a tournament, where like it feels like we're trying to be undermined at every possible turn by the country's own media. And I feel like that is something that that is something in particular. Whether that was necessarily all Southgate or certainly part of something that he'd put together with the with the with the comms team and everything like that, it felt like that was very much a, a decision that. You know, ultimately, and, we, and it was and it was proved in the results at the end of the day. You know, it served us well throughout the tournament, and I don't think I don't think many people came away from that tournament thinking feeling like we'd failed, which is what we which what usually comes out of these kind of things. Did we succeed though? When you look at the results, that's... well, there is obviously there is there is always the you know that we scored you know seventy five percent of our goals from set pieces, and you know Harry Kane scored like three or four pens during it and stuff like that. I, I, that's always going to be a part of it, but. Would if we'd have if we'd have gone on and won it playing that kind of football? Would we have? I think we'd all be quite happy, wouldn't we? It yeah, was just that Cro- it's just that Croatia are a better <laughs> team than
1: us. But they weren't. I, that, yeah, that's the point. They weren't. I don't think they are. But yeah, you know, what it is, what it is. I mean, yeah. and the media will try and destroy Southgate again, anyway, and the players. So I do have sympathy for him. You know, for doing yeah. this role. Well. and as I'm sure we're going to discuss the best 11s. I do have sympathy for him. in trying to pick the best team, so. Mm. I, I'm not anti Southgate by any stretch of the imagination. I think he's a decent person. Uh, but I'm not, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not convinced he'll get absolutely everything out of this squad or or get them or use them the best way. But time will tell. I'm still yeah. looking forward to it very much anyway.
0: Absolutely. So you touched on it briefly before, Howard, about um, last night's game. Um Lloyd is there anything is there anything we can take from this at all or is it just the case of there were far too many key players missing from the squad with obviously no city players no chelsea players no united players involved um was it very much a game that just felt like it was there for for fitness purposes more than anything else or do you think there are things that we could maybe take away from from how the game played out
2: I think there are a couple of things um actually you can take from it I think Bellingham's full debut was a massive plus particularly because Henderson was meant to play and Southgate confirmed um, last night that he thought he felt something in training and they did a scan and nothing came up but it you know it's definitely set him back slightly because the plan was for him to was for him to play some minutes last night so I think Bellingham to play like that um, particularly because if we're going to play free in the three in midfield, three up front and four at the back. Obviously, we need someone alongside Mount and probably Rice. And if Henderson can't play, I think Bellingham really put his name um, forward last night. And I think the other thing was probably Saka as well, played really well. Uh, and I think Grealish showed flashes whilst looking not 100% fit. So there were little things, I think. Um, and then there were... I think what we also learned is that Pickford is still garbage and <laughs> um, not someone that you want to be relying on. But unfortunately, I think it's probably the best we've got. And I think also you learned nothing good about Mings and Cody, which, again, you could say that you didn't learn anything. But I think for me, that just underlined that they are not top-level um, international centre-backs. So and I think there are quite a few things.
0: Yeah. Howard, what about you? Because I think that I, I, one of the main things I picked up on was very much what Lloyd said at the end there. It felt like, it felt like Austria had quite a few opportunities to, I mean, if they'd have taken even half the chances, they would have beat us. Cause I think they made, they had quite a few decent openings that they could have, with a better finisher, could have put away. Um, but again, do you think, do you think that's sort of just part and parcel of us playing? A, a sufficient a substantially weaker squad than what we'll end up inevitably playing in the in the tournament itself or do you think that that's you know does that say does that say a lot about the quality of
1: what happens past that first eleven? But uh, yeah, just I guess you've got to play the friendlies, but if you're not playing, you know, many of the team you expect to start against Croatia, then what what are you doing really? I just wonder from the players themselves, like you know, Trent Alexander are getting Injured at this point, I don't. How much are they going to exert themselves? Well, I guess the players who aren't, that probably think they're not going to start the first game, are going to try harder because they want to put themselves in the shop window, so to speak, to so, say, you know, like, yeah, you know, put their case forward that they should be picked. But no one wants to get injured in a couple of friendlies the week before the Euros start. And the team bears no resemblance to one that will line up in the finals. So, really. I think Lloyd touched on it. I think what you learn really is just what we probably already knew, which is like, I don't think Mings is that good, and I don't know why he's in the squad. Uh, Pickford, and yeah, doesn't fill him with confidence. And Bellingham might not be ready yet, but he's going to be a top, top, top top footballer, as uh, the Red Daps might say. So I think all it did was just reinforce what we knew about individuals as for how the team will do. No, I don't think you learn much. And I think with, the thing with tournaments is often teams that go right to the end grow into it anyway. So I think it's, I think it's a wait and see really for everyone to see. Yeah. It's about just gaining momentum as you go through the tournament. Uh, I just can't see the players putting it on the line in friendlies what, apart from just getting themselves match fit basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that was, I think that's fair. I I definitely fall more into that side of things. Um but again I, I do agree with Lloyd that it does it and, and you as well, that it does raise it does raise some eyebrows about the likes of Mings, Pickford, you know, the the players who we have as backups effectively to what we've to what we've got there. Um so we'll move into the into the moving into sort of the, the squad selection of what Southgate's gone with. So we, we were expecting a team to be picked last week. Um, and then, pretty much on the on the morning of the the squad announcement, it came out that he was naming a 33 man squad that he would then later whittle down to the 26, rather than just picking the 26 there and then. Um, Howard, do you think that you know? Do you think that's more of a, a testament to the the quality of the players available that Southgate has to pick, and you know, sort of a, a tough decision that he had to make, or do you just think that he maybe just Bottled it and wanted to give himself another week to make the decision because he because he just just outright didn't know. Or can those two things can those two things both coexist? Can I be honest?
1: I've no idea. Has <laughs> uh, he th- have managers done this in the past? You know, or is this a new thing? I've
0: absolutely no idea. I, th- no. I think no. I think. I've- to be honest, I don't on that raised eyebrows to me was the Spain squad because he picked less than twenty six in, in in that in their team. Yeah. But I don't think I don't I, I can't remember. And someone someone who follows this stuff more closely might be able to tell me differently. But usually, when it comes to the deadline of the twenty six being picked, usually when they say we're picking the squad on this date, they pick it and don't and don't go through this extra, you know, extra
1: seven players to to, to try and cull. Well, they did used to be provisional. Yeah, squad did they not? So mm. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't think we should read too much into it. I mean, it used to be 23, did it not? So they've got... uh, It's bizarre. You think as a manager, it's easy to pick 26 because you don't have to make that awkward phone call to as many players, and Mm. it just gives you a bit more options. So I don't know. Maybe it's just because we have a lot of fitness issues with quite a few players that he just felt he needed to do a bigger squad. Uh, But in his head, he's Surely he knew the seven that were already going. He should know by now. If yeah, you know, I can only assume or guess. I should say that it was down to not knowing about the fitness of players like Maguire, Henderson, having cover in there, and just giving himself time to see how that progressed. Yeah,
0: Lloyd. What do you what do you think? Do you think that maybe the fact that because Southgate had effectively an extra year to come up with this with this squad, do you think that giving himself that extra week? really makes that much of a difference or do you just think it's it's kinda of like Howard said that it was more down to, you know, assessing fitness levels of some players, particularly Maguire and Henderson, before before giving himself a decision to make?
2: To be honest, I think this was totally fair enough. Um I completely understand why he did it. Um you've got fitness doubts over two key starters going into the get finals in Maguire and Henderson and you had twelve players. Um of that twelve, probably at least six or seven would probably be in your starting team for Croatia if they if they're fit. Who weren't available because of City, United, and Chelsea's um, European finals. So yeah, I think I was quite perplexed by the criticism. I think I think it's totally fair enough. It's not not, not ideal, but I think
1: it's completely um, understandable from some yeah, perspective. It's a fair point to say that half the squad hadn't finished their season yet, so. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's okay.
0: Yeah, that is that is true. I, I hadn't even considered that, but yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. Um, I think I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, as long as the squad is finalised when UEFA require the squad to be finalised, I don't think it really makes too much of a difference if a few more extra players get picked up to fill out a squad in a couple of friendlies beforehand. But um, yeah, I think it was I think it was absolutely fine personally. Um, so if we move into then the finalised squad. Um, I think the goalkeepers are all kind of, you know, I don't think there's really much argument to be made about any of the goalkeepers. I'm glad that Ramsdale wasn't, wasn't picked as one of them because I don't think he's ever really impressed me when I've watched him play. I think he, he comes bottom in a lot of goalkeeping stats, which yeah, would not have been great. Um, The obvious place to start is right back and the selection of Trippier, James Walker and Trent. Um, So obviously, We've since found out that, that Trent is now out of the Euros after that injury that he picked up against Austria. Um, Lloyd does. Do you understand? Do you understand him picking all four of them in the first place? Does that make any sense, or is is was it maybe a bit overkill and just a case of that all four of them are, are pretty good, so he didn't really know which ones to to drop?
2: No, it's too too many for me. Um, I I understand that it's a position of absurd strength for England um, and you know you're not even mentioning Wan-Bissaka or Tariq Lamptey or you know there's, the, the depth is a, is incredible um, that being said picking four is still I think just a bit of a hedge um, now I thought it was really interesting that Southgate said he told Trent three weeks ago that he was in his squad because the noises coming out of Trent's camp I know um that were fueling a lot of the stories were that he didn't think he was in. So that's something doesn't seem to add up there. Um, But I think, yeah, even given that Walker and James can play in a back three, I think to pick four right backs when you only pick four centre backs is just a bit insane, really. Um, And yeah, I think it was quite a strange decision. Um, And I, I didn't really love Southgate's comment about he picked his 26 best footballers because that's not really what football's about. It's about picking a team and it's about getting, you know, as we saw in the fucking Champions League final, it's about getting a Congress team that can play together and can be more than some of its parts. Um, And I think unbalancing yourself by picking four right backs, it just doesn't really make any sense, particularly when I think you're light on quality and numbers at centre half and you're pretty light in central midfield as well. So um I personally would have taken Trent as one of my three anyway, uh, but now he's out isn't he? So yeah. I think it's really interesting to see who Southgate goes for whether he goes for a centre half because he thinks oh shit, you know, now it's more likely that a James and Walker will pl- will have to play at centre back and play as part of a back three or whether he goes, you know what, I think maybe War prowse is a better shout because he has that set-piece quality that Trent brought We're quite light in midfield anyway. Um, or whether he goes for someone like Lingard, I, yeah, I don't really know. Um, my thought would be he would go, I think it makes most sense to go for a centre-half. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah. we can speak about the rest of the squad as a whole, but that's my kind of take on on the right-back. Yeah, and defense. Howard,
0: Howard. Um, in terms of in terms of Trent's inclusion, because like Lloyd mentioned, there it was it was the noises were coming out earlier in the day and in the days before the the, the actual finalised twenty six was announced that that Trent wasn't going to be a part of it. Now, if Gareth Southgate is telling the truth and that he was told a few weeks beforehand, then then this point I'm about to make is completely irrelevant anyway. But do you maybe feel like there's anything in the in the in the idea that he took Trent just to avoid the headache that would follow afterwards of, because we so we all saw kind of what the, there was a bit of a there's a bit of a clamor in the media when he didn't get picked in the last international squad i mean i think even Klopp came out and said that he doesn't understand why it makes no sense and just if there's you, we all know what scouts are like when their players don't get you know acknowledged for being the best in the world do you think that maybe he just sort of did it to avoid a bit of media backlash if he didn't pick him in the squad and just sort of accepted that it's a position... You know, having one of the 26 be an extra right-back that he maybe won't use isn't the end of the world. Or do you think
1: that there is maybe a sort of tactical flexibility reason to it? No, I think you might be right, to be honest. I I think he has shown he's not a soft touch in the past, but as you said, yeah. Don't want death threats myself. You're dealing with the... (laughs) A different type of outcry when you (laughs) don't pick the greatest right-back the world has ever seen in your squad. And because you've got those three extra places, you probably thought you could get away with it and have him in there. Uh, Now, the injury is devastating, obviously, for Trent Alexander-Arnold, but it's probably quite handy for him because I don't think he would have gotten the pitch Hmm. because Southgate doesn't rate him in in the systems he wants to play. So whilst I don't, you know, there's nothing to... Be happy about a player getting injured like this when you know the Euro has been in tatters. Yeah, you know, on the surface, it's probably helped. It probably has helped Southgate because now, as Lloyd says, he gets a big to pick an extra defender or midfielder. So he, he I just did see him getting on the pitch, and I, I, it wouldn't surprise. You know, I can't give you a definitive answer, but it would not surprise me at all if because he had twenty six spots to deal with, he thought. I might like, you know, I'll put him in there. i there's no he would not have made it in a twenty-three. And well, now he's not going anyway. It does give Southgate another option for uh, myself, I think I've no idea what it'll do, but I think Lingard might be the one who gets in now, so. Hmm.
0: Well, Lloyd mentioned centre back just then, um, looking a little bit looking a little bit light, to be honest, and we've 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 touched on Mings and Cody and their performance yesterday both of which have had you know pretty I mean their clubs certainly have had pretty indifferent ends to the season or last 6 months um how does it does it concern you that if you know if one of, I mean Maguire yes. might not be might not, might not be <laughs> fully fit anyway <laughs> exactly well exactly yeah Maguire might not be fully fit anyway um so in that case if one of Mings and Cody has to play if we play a back if we play a back 3 which judging by the number of center backs he's taken I'd like to think we aren't do you do you really worry that if one of Stones or Maguire goes down and is unable to play two or more games of the tournament, that or go, certainly not going from the into the knockout stages, that you know that could be a real well, issue
1: for us. There's but two ways to look at it. I think Mings and Cody probably suit playing in the back three more. But if we play with a back three, we're more likely to have to play them, which is not what I want. So uh, do you want? To, do you, want to, you can look at it either way. That. Uh, this is the weakest part of the side. I mean, there's no two ways about it. And if we're sweating on, Maguire has been good for England and, you know, I don't think he's a bad footballer. I think he's a good footballer, but the fact that we're really sweating on his fitness now, is rather telling because he's Mm. never going to be one of the world's best defenders. And I do think stones, you know, what he does for City is all that matters to me in a way, I think stones needs that dependable partner next to him. And, you know, it could have a ripple effect if he's, it, I can see it now, if Stones has to line up again alongside Mings, I can see it being a disaster for both of them because Stones will just be dragged down and he'll get a lot of blame for it. And there's no stability in that central defence, really, if Maguire's not there with Stones. Uh, it's a really troublesome area and perhaps it explains why my earlier theory that England should go for it is ill-founded, a way. Because if, if that is our weakest area with Pickford behind them, then you can understand the caution that Southgate might show in his team selections. But, I mean, I'm, I'm a risk. I don't know. I just don't rate Mings. I've, been, I've seen plenty of him. And someone like Tamoria you know, over at AC Milan, I'd, I'm a bit more surprised at some of the defenders that didn't make it. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. Con, concert as Aston Villa. I'd have more. I'd rather... Players like that were given a chance in the squad, to some like Mings and even Cody. So I can't say I'm over enthused with that area of yeah, the of the squad, to be honest.
0: Yeah, Lloyd. What about you? Do you think that so, I'd be mean, obviously going to going to your thoughts on on Mings and Cody and sort of the concerns about Stones and Maguire yourself, but also do you, do you think that? Do you think it's more likely that we play a back two or or a back three? Because uh, given what we what we lined up like in the World Cup and how we've turned up for a lot of international fixtures since then, I would say that a back three looks looks quite likely. In which case, we are going to be relying on one of at least one of Mings and Cody in our back line, regardless.
2: Yeah, I think if if, if Stones and Maguire aren't fit for most of the tournament, England have got. I think a pretty slim chance to be honest. Um, I think those having those two allows you to play a back four, which is I think what this England team needs because I think it's so strong in almost all the other areas. That is the only real problem. If you look at right back, we're absolutely stacked. If we look at left back, we've got two top quality left backs there. I think if you look in midfield, you know, yes, the Henderson injury is a problem, but I think you've got decent options in midfield. Particularly with Mount season this year, Rice, I think, has come on loads. And then, obviously, the front three, England's options are, are an absolute joke. So, apart from apart from goalkeeper, all your outfield positions, I think you're pretty safe. Um, I agree with you, though. And, again, from speaking to some of the lads who are close to England and Southgate, it very much looks like and sounds like if Maguire isn't fit for Croatia, which it doesn't look like he will be, that it'll be a back three. Yeah. Um, now, if it is, I'd be a lot more comfortable with I think Cody playing than Mings. I don't think either of them are great. Um, like Howard, I think Tamori and Konsa, those are guys that have shown way more promise as front foot defenders um, and should have been considered. So, to be honest, I'm I, I. think I'm partly starting to think Godfrey should be the guy that replaces um, Trent because I think
0: yeah, I agree. Cody,
2: Cody, yeah, and Cody, and Cody, and um, and Mings are just, I just think they're pretty average. Cody in a back three, I don't love it, but if it was alongside, say, Walker or James and Stones, I think for certain games, England might be able to get through that if they play well. Um, but I don't think it's ideal, so I would be tempted to take Godfrey because I think Godfrey, with how the tournament ends up playing out, could end up usurping those other two because I think hes he looks a really good talent. Um and I know a couple of blue noses who who think he's you know really good and technically, most importantly, a good defender. So that would be my take. Yeah, I think basically, if Maguire and Stones aren't both fit, uh, England are uh, uh, struggling.
0: Yeah, I kind of I kind of feel like going back to the right backs. I feel like Walker has maybe been selected along with the other three. I mean, obviously, I think Trent was kind of put put in as a, a void controversy kind of pick anyway. But I think Walker, regardless, goes with the other two because I feel like he's there for the the, the back three option as well as his as well as his right back ability. I think he, I think if we play a right back with with Stones and you know one of Cody or Mings if we have to, I think having Walker and his recovery pace there in the as the as the third of the right backs. Helps us out a lot if we're in a position where you know where, where we're going to get counterattacked on with a with a pretty suspect looking back backline. Um, so yeah, I I fully expect us to go into the tournament line up with three at the back, and if like you say, if if it, if McGuire is not going to be fully fit anyway, then I think it's pretty much it's pretty much nailed on that that will be the case. And I feel like we might end up into the knockout stages we might even just end up doing that anyway because it's just a defensive way of playing that sort of got us through. It got us to the semi-finals of the World Cup at the end of the day. So I feel like Southgate will maybe, unless he feels obliged to play as much of the attacking talent as possible, kind of like Howard says, and maybe go for it, then um, I think
1: I think a back three feels kind of inevitable at this point. Yeah, we're going to hit a far better side before the semi-final this time around. I'm pretty sure of that because yeah. we clash with a group of death, basically. So... And that exactly. like, is he's probably yeah. He'll play the back three when he's against the better sides, uh, whichever you may consider them to be. So, uh, yeah. I mean, we're going to talk attackers, aren't we? But yeah, you know, what we talk about, it, you think they're not they're not in great shape. But obviously, we've got time for players to get fit, and it is always about momentum. So, who knows? Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. So, moving into the midfield, then I think maybe not numbers wise we don't look fantastic I think there's only there's only five who are actually listed as central midfielders in the squad um rice Phillips Mount Bellingham and Henderson um Howard Lloyd just briefly mentioned before, like Henderson's injury problems does that does does that season concern you going into this because I feel like when Van as, as I was saying to you before we started um started recording like Van Dyke, has has taken the executive decision to, regardless of his current fitness levels, just just rule himself out of the Euros anyway, um, to to focus on getting himself fit. But it feels like if if, if Henderson's first games back are going to be in the Euros, in, in, in a high pressure tournament for England, when he's not played football for for months, that that's not really the ideal way to uh, to to go into things. So what do you think? Is he going along maybe more for his dressing room impact more than necessarily what he'll end up doing on the pitch?
1: It's not good. No, it's not good. You can't. You can't just throw them into. I mean, there's no respite. There's only three. There is some respite, in the way, because the 24 team tournament where 16 goes through does give you some respite. But obviously, England are probably looking to win the group. Not. They don't want to be the uh, one of the best placed third place teams. Do this. So, uh, yeah. yeah, you can't just coast through and then and experiment with things. So it is worrying. And you can't have a player in the squad just for the changing room either. You need that squad. So I don't know what condition he's in. Uh, if he's going to play for England, he's got to have, I don't know, some sort of behind-closed-doors game, something like that, because you say it's been a long time he's been out now. I, I even look at... I mean, we look at Kevin Du you know, when I know some players could just be fit from an injury and go in the team. But I don't I don't think Henderson will be that sort of player. I'm not saying he's old, but you know, he's 30 years old now. He's been out a long time. You can't just throw someone like that into a finals and expect them to perform. So it is another issue for this uh, England side. Let's hope that he is fit by the time we get to Croatia. I don't know, had some sort of behind-closed-doors game and perhaps... Coming off the bench will be his first introduction to getting back to match proper match fitness.
0: Yeah, Lloyd, what do you what do you make of uh, Henderson's injury concerns going into the tournament?
2: Yeah, it's a big concern. I think, um, like I said before, I think England's options in midfield are good but few. Um, I think it's looking increasingly more likely that. For me, Bellingham will probably start against Croatia um, because even if even if Henderson gets say thirty minutes against um, against Romania on Sunday, that is very little match practice to be going into starting what is our most important group game. Um, so, I think it's a big ask. Bellingham is obviously seventeen, but I think we've seen as City fans how good he is. I think in In the big moments um so yeah everything everything I said before about Godfrey I think I stand by I think the other choice for me it's a choice between Godfrey or Ward Prowse for the other um spot in the squad I understand why Southgate would want to take Ward Prowse particularly given Anderson's um injury concerns and I think obviously he brings the set piece element as well which was kind of one of Trent's specialisms and why one of the reasons why you would rightfully include him in the squad. So I, I think it's a choice between those two and I imagine Southgate will probably I'd have thought he'll wait until um Sunday is gone so he's seen the likes of Henderson and Maguire in training that week see if we get through the Romania game before he probably makes the call on who he wants to like literally be in the uh, in the squad for the Croatia game.
0: Yeah. Do you think <clears throat> sticking with you, Lloyd? Do you think that do you like the way that our midfield looks? I think it, I mean, obviously, we we could well be going into this in only playing two in midfield in front of a in front of a back three. Um, but if it's a if it's a three in centre mid with one of Rice or Phillips at the base, with say Henderson's not not available for the first game, and it's mm. and it's um, and it's Bellingham and Mount ahead of one of Rice or Phillips. Are you are you sort of happy with that midfield?
2: I think for for the group stages, yes. That mid that midfield just lacks too much experience, I think. Um, particularly for big international games. I think you do need Henderson to come back in for the knockouts as an option at least. Um yeah, Bellingham seventeen, Mount twenty two, Rice twenty two. You know, these are I think they're all top footballers clearly in their own right, but um, you know, against some of the absolute kind of stalwarts of of European football in midfield, they are obviously going to lack some nous in big games of how to control high, high-level international football games. So I, I think, to be honest, it's, it's an exciting midfield. And when you read those names out, it sounds—I think it's got a hell of a lot about it. But I do worry about what it lacks. Um, so yeah, comfortable for for the early group stages, but I think if that's still the case in the uh, in the in the
1: knockouts, could be a problem.
0: Yeah. Howard, what do you what do you make of the, the midfield options that we've got?
1: Yeah, what Lloyd said really, it's like I do not yeah, I'm just not convinced Bellingham just impresses every time I watch him, but I don't know if you know this, he seventeen years old. That's today's <laughs> Twitter joke. Like <laughs> how many times did he mention that? No night? way, mate. But he is seventeen and it's like pff, will Southgate put him in there? And I think what Lloyd says is right. You've got, to, you know, Henderson's no player of the year, but he his experience is probably needed in that midfield. Otherwise, what else do you do? It's just, yeah, it's a bit too wet under the gills for me for for the, you know, for all such big games, yeah. I mean, even the group games, you know, you've got Scotland, they're the big game, they're the big games as soon as you start, really. But obviously, really tough games as well come later, so... It's okay because I mean you talk talking central midfield here, and where do you? Yeah, you know, and then you look at what we've got out wide in midfield as well, and yeah, there's there's plenty to utilise there basically. Yeah,
0: yeah. So moving on to sort of the wide midfield, uh, our front line is absolutely stacked with talent. Um I'll just go through the names now. I've got them in front of me. So we've got Jack Grealish, Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling, Marcus Rashford, Jadon Sancho, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Phil Foden and Bukayo Saka as our as our front three choices. Um Lloyd, uh who makes who makes your front three? How 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 difficult a decision is it to pick? Well, I'd say Harry Kane is nailed on, but who how difficult is it to pick the other two that that join him?
2: stupidly difficult to be honest, England are, I think England have got the best options in the tournament in terms of the front three players, I I think better than France, Belgium, honestly, any other team, Um, which is absurd really, because those kind of, I think what we lacked for basically 15 years in international football was good technical attacking midfielders. It's the one, we basically had everything apart from a number 10 and now we've got like four of them who are all insane. Um, I think just to build on what we were talking about the midfield. I think if push came to shove and you were struggling injuries wise, thankfully you've got an option in that Foden and Grealish can probably play in that midfield if you need them to. Um, but yeah, I think also the the, the key thing is I, for me if, if I could design what I want the front three to be, and if you're if I'm doing a bit of a knobby Southgate kind ofism. Uh, and picking like the three best footballers. For me, it would be probably Grealish, Foden, and Kane. But I don't think you've got enough, that's not got enough variety. And I do think you need one of Grealish or, or Foden. I think the other guy on the right needs to be someone who can kind of get in behind a lot more. I think you saw that last night. Uh, the couple of times that Saka did it, it made a massive difference. So I think balance wise and given everyone's form, I think it should be Foden, Kane, and Sancho. Um, now, I don't like leaving Grealish out. I think, to be honest, there's a pretty you could make a strong case to potentially fill on the bench um, for Grealish. But my my three would be Foden, Kane, and Sancho.
0: I think I um I think I agree with that. I think maybe, like you say, maybe if you wanted to look for a bit more pace in behind, you could you could play one of. Rashford or Sterling on whichever wing you fancy that to come from, um, but yeah, for for me, if you are just going to play that four that four three three, I'd I'd say Sancho and and Foden are just so so stupidly good technically that it's it, like I say if the, if those two are feeding Harry Kane with some of the football that we've seen from from certainly from Foden this season and and from Sancho feeding Harland in the last couple of years. Then that could be that could be something ridiculous, uh, Howard. I know you, I know you weren't too keen on the idea of having to pick a front three out of this. So
1: uh, what, what what have you gone with in the end? Sorry to be lame. It's the same three. So oh, that's all right. Then. I'm just feeding back into it. it's like I do think <laughs> we do have issues. Yeah, I mean, it's, we are stacked up from we do have issues. Uh, one issue throughout the squad we have issues, and I guess after a compacted eight month season. I mean, I'll read up on the other countries, obviously. We're, we're going to do a, sh- a podcast next week on everyone else. Maybe mm. everyone's having these issues. I not. I don't know the injury situation for every country. But you've got Ryan Sterling, of course, who is just not in good form. But I still suspect he'll start that first game against Croatia
2: because yeah, Southgate
1: I believes in him. Uh, Rashford, I think, has... Yeah. Uh, I think Rashford like has been flogged to death, basically, and he's carrying long-term injuries. And I think that puts him out there. He's not been in good form, but you could put it down to the fact that he probably needed two months off at some point, to be honest. And obviously Greenwood is out injured, so they've been flogged at United. <laughs> a lot of players, uh, and I don't think I think Rashford's lost his starting spot. I I would love to squeeze Grealish in there. I would, but I just can't. I can't work it out, basically. And of course, we're not playing eleven players across the whole tournament, so I think Grealish gets some time. But for me, I think Sancho is more in form, so he can play on the right. Foden and Kane. So yeah, I, I can't. There's too many issues with the other options at the moment, to be honest. And if you Grealish, uh, Grealish is probably in Foden are just probably. Would we'll get in each other's way, perhaps. I don't know. I'm, I'd like to see what happens, and I'd love to see him on the pitch together on Sunday. But we'll probably did Grealish
0: won. play? Did Grealish play the full ninety yesterday? I can't remember. I know he got interviewed remember. after the game.
2: Seven. He played seventy and then came off and strapped the uh, ice on his shins.
0: Yeah. So is he? I mean, obviously he'll, he'll play some more minutes against Romania, I would imagine. But is he? He's not going into the tournament in great fitness. Uh, I think he's Gabriel
2: Gabriel Clark did an interview with him last night where he actually pressed him quite hard and he was like oh you've got shin splints haven't you that's the issue and Grealish was like yeah yeah no it's not actually shin splints it's a bit of a it's a shin problem but it's not shin splints and he was like I am fit but I'm not fully fit yet and putting the ice on my shins after games is a way of trying to kind of bring the inflammation down quicker so that I'm kind of Regaining full workload and that the, I won't need to do this in the future. So, I think he is fit, but he's clearly ma-
1: he's kind of lacking much sharpness. And again, yeah. that perhaps makes Southgate's decision for him. So, I don't yeah,
0: know. I would I would imagine that it's a straight. I mean, I, I think you're right, Howard. That we probably will see Sterling starting in that front three anyway. But I think that I think the big the big choice is probably between a, a straight. Choice between Sterling, no, not Sterling, sorry, yeah, Grealish and Foden because they're both not similar, but they, they they would probably both play on that left hand side. Um, and I just think that yeah, like I say if, if, if Grealish isn't one hundred percent going into the Croatia game, I would imagine that Foden or maybe Sterling, maybe you put Sterling on the left. Um, it could be. It's it's. I think that's the other thing about this front three as well that a lot, like quite a few of the players are quite versatile. And you can, and they're not just like I think Bukayo Saka is another one who can play on who's we've seen play pretty much all over the pitch for Arsenal this uh, this season. Um, so I think there's a lot of choices, not just in individual positions, but a lot of a lot of choices who can play in four or five different positions if they really have to. Um, so how would you, you you mentioned before maybe the idea of England going for it a bit is is sort of do, does the equality, uh, the quality of our attacking players that we've got. Is that enough to to warrant you know people giving England a chance of going far in the competition? Like whether whether we have whether we have concerns over our defence or not, do you think that this attack gives gives people a lot of reason to feel good about this tournament?
1: Yeah, definitely. You just said the options here: you've got wing back, and you've got there's plenty of options there. So many options. Uh, I could give you so many variations of that front three. I mean, you just you don't know. I mean, if there's key players. Basically, if we lose them, then my optimism goes out the window. So if we don't see Maguire and Henderson at all, and I don't think they're the world's best players, but they're so important to because of what's you know the alternatives. Then you know my optimism goes. And if Kane's injured, of course, then I think the step down from him is huge. Mm. So we don't know what lies ahead. It's the international tournament, but. I, I could. They can go far. They're going to hit a very tough match in the last 16 if they win the group, probably. Uh, and if they don't win the group, they'll hit that group of death winner in the last eight instead. So they could go out... If get past that, then they'll have the optimism to have the belief and confidence to go very deep into the tournament. I do think this is a wide-open tournament. So... Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I couldn't tell you to anything. I might think France is the strongest, but it's a very open tournament and England are definitely a potential winner. But they're one of six, at least, winners of this tournament.
0: Yeah. So going on to that, uh, Lloyd, Southgate said, I'm not sure if it was yesterday or the day before when the squad was actually announced, um, that anything less than the semi-finals would be a failure for this team. Do Do you agree with that? Or do you think that maybe that... That sort of, as, as Howard says, that instant group of death opponent that we could find ourselves with in the first knockout stage, do you think that sort of tempers things a bit?
2: It definitely does. Um, England have got almost the reverse path to what we had in the World Cup, where we had a really easy run um, at the latter stages, whereas it's going to be exactly the opposite this time, unless you know something wild happens in that group of death, in which, which case it definitely won't. But yeah, I mean, I think England are probably in the top four strongest teams in the competition. I think you've probably got France, Belgium, probably Portugal, and I think England, I would say, are probably the four best sides. Um, I think France are rightly favourites. Germany, I think under Love, have been quite stagnant over the last few years. I, they're You look at their squad, it's it doesn't have the same star quality that it did, you know. Um, two, four, kind of years ago, and obviously Spain's team is is definitely not what it was when they won three back-to-back tournaments. So, I suppose failure sounds strong, but yeah, I do think England should be reaching the the semis. Yeah, I would I would agree
1: with Southgate. Just yeah, another important aspect is they will play their three games at Wembley, and if they get to the semi and the final, they'll play them at Wembley. And there will be some crowds we expect and we don't know what the crowds will you know, what percentage of capacity will be allowed by the latter stages. So I don't know how the venues work for the last sixteen and the last eight, but England will play pretty much I think all their games in England and that can't be discounted as, you know, a big plus for them obviously and their chances. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we've seen it we've seen in the league this season just at the end of the in this last month or so just how big of a difference having a home crowd can actually make. So I think if we if we if we have that advantage for for the majority of the games that we play if we do go all the way then that that could be that could just be the difference between between getting there and, and not getting there at all. I think I don't know. I th- I think if we if we I'm with you Lloyd if we make it past that that game um that that sort of first knockout stage if we come first or second in the group and whoever it is that we get in the um in the France, Portugal, uh, France, Germany, Portugal group. Then I think if we make it past them, we can really feel quite optimistic about maybe going all the way. Um, but I feel like that is, you're right, it's kind of, it's the inverse of the World Cup, isn't it? Where we've, we've got the most difficult game first, which is not ideal, really. You want to have that time to sort of build up a bit of momentum by getting a couple of wins before coming into that. And hopefully, if we do well in the group stages, we may well already have that anyway. Um, but it's it's just difficult to say in these kind of tournaments. It's it's just we've we've seen as city fans what knockout tournaments can can be like, and it's 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 going to be uh it's going to be tricky no matter what happens. Yeah, they're brutal.
1: Uh, yeah, I think I think we're a bit stronger for it being delayed a year anyway. Because <laughs> I, I don't know if Bellingham, Foden, Mount, I don't know, would they um, Grealish? Grealish would they have f- featured uh, a year ago? Obviously, I'd rather we just played it a year ago and there hadn't been a global pandemic. But we've got so many good players coming through that who knows that year delay might just yeah might just help us. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Well, I think that seems like a, a good a good optimistic note to end it on. So, um, Howard, thank you very much for joining me for this. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Lloyd. Thanks for coming on.
2: Cheers, Joe. Nice to not talk about the the final and, and what happened there. <laughs>
0: What what final? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, we've uh, we've got um, we've got loads of shows coming on uh, ninety three twenty over the summer. Um, city season is over, but but ours is definitely not. We'll be we'll be keeping up with the Euros tournament itself. Um, the Joe show will be carried on through the summer too, with uh, lots of different topics to cover. Um, I'm sure there'll be various transfer pods as and when as and when news breaks. Yes. Um, if you that haven't be, yeah.
1: <laughs> if, if, if you haven't
0: subscribed, then please consider subscribing to us. It only costs four pounds, which depending on what you're drinking and where, is less than a beer. So um, for now, thanks to everyone who listened and forever up the blues.